0: to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. All right. Uh, we just finished Song of Solomon, so we're jumping back into where we were uh, before. We were traveling through the Bible chronologically as we possibly can, and we are in Colossians. Several, give or take, uh, a year or so, three, four years after the resurrection and The ascension of Jesus, a man by the name of Saul, had set his sights on taking the church, the followers of the way, those who kept insisting that Jesus had somehow resurrected from the dead and was still alive, he took it on as his personal mission to snuff out this baby little sprout called the church. His name was Saul. Uh, Just a few years into his mission, uh, he he comes face to face with the Jesus Christ uh, on the road, and he is converted to Christianity. Once standing on the opposite end, we're talking militant, standing on the opposite side, I will snuff out the church. Now he is on our team. He started going by the name of Paul, who we refer to as the Apostle Paul, and he traveled the known world, preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ. One of the places that he preached was a place called Ephesus. Ephesus was a large city, and Paul kind of had a little bit of uh, methodology, a strategy, if you will, to to missionary work, and that was to hit the big cities and then let it trickle out from there. In fact, if you go to Acts chapter 19, verse 10, it says, while Paul was in Ephesus, all residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. So while he is in Ephesus preaching, people are coming from all over Asia to listen to this man talk about this Jesus that he once tried to persecute on the regular. One of those people who made it to one of Paul's tent revivals or rented storefront churches, one of those people was a, na- was a guy by the name of Epaphras. Epaphras was from a city about 100 miles away called Colossae or Colos. So he's a hundred miles away from Ephesus, but he travels and he somehow hears something and he's moved by the message. He packs up, he goes back home. He goes back to his hometown, Imagine, imagine how hard this would be, and he begins preaching to the people he knew. It seems to go pretty well because he plants a church. Now, Colossus was a part of what they called the great triad of cities, that, Aeropolis, Laodicea, and Colossus. They were these three cities that just kind of existed, and all of them kind of had their own thing going. It was on a major trade route of Roman roads and rivers, so this place is buzzing. The intersection of two major highways, does it remind you of anybody? Kind of does, doesn't it? At the intersection of these two major highways and these rivers, Colossus existed. Now, Colossus got its name from the product that they created, much like Gas City. What, why do we name it Gas City? Because of the cantaloupes. No. Because of the gas, right? Colossus was, it got its name from a wool, a dyed wool, a burgundy color, called Colossanum. Colossanum was this bright red, kind of purple, burgundy. Here's a little known fact. Um, burgundy sweaters were big in Coloss, uh, along with, this isn't true. Like, you're looking at me like it's true, it's not true. But The burgundy sweaters, scarves, Coloss really was big on, you know, burgundy this became the thing they were known for we really don't know that anybody was wearing burgundy sweaters we don't we don't know that what we do know is this that anytime a city exists at a major crossroads it is inundated with brand new people all the time brand new technology all the time things you've never seen brand new philosophies and brand new religions so Epaphras who has invested years trying to bring this young church up in Colossus is now being inundated with a number of brand new ideas from all the things that are passing through the area now that's really not that big of a deal if a church can stay strong you see modern day this is what happens when people begin to lose faith in Jesus the first thing they typically do is they stop coming to church this is what happens today we get overcome with our love affair of the world. We start making poor decisions with our life and then we get embarrassed. So we don't wanna show our face at church. This is one of the first things that happens. Coloss seems to be maybe a little bit different. Coloss didn't mind the, the whole idea of serving Jesus. It wasn't about that. The problem was this. They would look at other religions and they would say, oh, that's kinda of cool. Maybe we should add some of that to what we got. Jesus is a little soft on retaliation. I like kind of what Muhammad has to say. He's got a little more edge to it. It's not that I don't love Jesus. It's just that like Buddhism just kind of speaks to me on like a deep soul level, and I like the peace of it all. That's just kind of really what it is. It's, it's not so much that I don't love Jesus. It's just that when it comes to the creation of the world, I don't really think he had much to do with that. I think science speaks for itself. That was what Colossus was going through. Probably not so different from us, Epaphras begins to understand that his church is struggling. What do you do when you find yourself in a place to where your church begins to struggle? Something happens and it comes up. Let me tell you what they do uh, in America. Here's what you do when problems arise inside of a church in America. Sweep it under the rug as fast as you can. Or ask some nice elderly lady to handle it for you, please. Run off all the men. Make it a very, very feminine institution. Let them operate it and run it. And then you just get in behind them and do that. That's what America does with churches, not Epaphras. Epaphras says, I need to talk to somebody, somebody who can do something about this. I need some encouragement. I need some information. I need some guidance. How do I get this church back on track? They're a good church. They're strong. But... They're getting kind of sidetracked and grabbing these other things, the worship of angels, and kind of bringing it in because it's kind of like it fits real good with who Jesus is. And Epaphras is saying, no, this isn't going to work. Who does he call? He calls his friend Paul, the one he heard preach years before, the one who lit the fire inside of him in that tent revival. He goes and he finds the apostle Paul. He sits down with the Apostle Paul and he begins to tell them about his church. Listen, I need to just, let me, let, me, let me just speak honestly for a second. I sit down with a few ministers, and maybe I've told you this. I sit down with a few ministers not too long ago at a, at a meeting. Hey, how are things going for you? The one guy says, church politics, you know how that is. Churches do sometimes get involved in some pretty gnarly stuff. One guy says, well, we've got this lady, she's on the staff, but she's a mess, and she's, you know, whatever. But, you know, God is good. It's always something like that. It's going terrible, but God is good. They go around, they go to the next guy, hey, how's it going for you? Dude, I volunteer 170 hours a month to my church. I lead the worship there, I do this, I do that, and, and yeah, like, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's not a friendly place. It's, there's no family environment whatsoever. It's just, I don't know. It's, I'm, it's not good. It's like, dang, I'm sorry to hear that. Then they asked, so how's things going for you? <laughs> like, I didn't have anything bad to say. Like, I was like, uh, you know, I mean, sh- sh-. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot cooler than your situation. <laughs> I'm not trying to rub it in you. Like, it felt bad that I didn't have anything, I had nothing to say. Like, I love our leadership. I love our people. I love what we get to do. I love the community we're in. Do we have things that come up? Sure we do. Do we have things we have to handle? Absolutely. But God has been good to us. And it's evident. It was hard. Then I got to bragging. Like, you have not seen a group of people like this before. I understand what's going on with Epaphras as he talks to the Apostle Paul. I say, I get it. You have to meet them. They're full of hope. They're full of love. They're full of joy. These people are great, but they're getting distracted. As we break open the book of Colossians... Will we find things in our church, things in our person, things in our marriage, things in our life that are detracting us away from the gospel message? I think we will. You see, Colossus had a problem: is that there was an earthquake around 60 A.D., about the same time this letter is being written. There's an earthquake. It crumbles a part of the city, and they never recover. Laodicea continues. The Aeropolis continues, but Coloss doesn't continue. They're in a dying town in a dying, distracted church. Their pastor is now absent. What do we do? We've seen all the factories leave. We've seen storefront businesses close down. We've seen a steady decline in Iola, Kansas, and Allen County since 1910. Steady decline in population since 1910. At the intersection of two major highways, steady decline. So what do we do? Let's look at Colossians and see what it has to say. Colossians 1. Paul takes up pen and paper and says, Let me speak to your people for you, Epaphras. I will write them a letter. This is beautiful. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossus, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have, that you have for all the saints. In four verses, Listen. If you're looking for a directive, a straightforward directive, how should I live my life, Paul? He didn't give you one. There's no straightforward directive. But Paul is smart, and you have to read, you have to read some different kind of language that's going on here. In four verses, he uses Jesus' name four different times, but he never one time says, just Jesus. Do you see what he calls him? Look at it. Verse 1, Christ Jesus. Verse 2, Christ. Verse 3, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, faith in Christ Jesus. Well, why is that important? Here's why it's important. Because when the biblical narratives were written, the gospel messages, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these were informative, and we were trying to get you around, get your head around the idea that this is who Jesus was. Why does Paul keep mentioning him as Christ? Because he wants to remind you of his last name? No. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's not a name at all. You know what it is? It's a title. It's an office. An office for one and only one. He is the all-powerful, existing anomaly in the universe. All God, all man, don't forget it. Before the world was created and will be there throughout eternity, He is not just Jesus, He's Jesus the Christ. Paul is not suggesting that Jesus is your homeboy. With me? He's not the man upstairs as if he rents attic space from you. He is the Christ. The entire book of Colossians, all the way through the book, Paul will never refer to Jesus as simply Jesus. He is always Christ Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, or Christ. He never leaves it Jesus. You know why? Because he doesn't want you to get it twisted at all. I'm not suggesting you like his teaching and suggest that he's a great teacher and he's a prophet. There's no room for that in worshiping Jesus. Your only option is this. He is the daily special. You do not get Jesus in half portions. You cannot get him off the a la carte. He is. That's the only option. Which brings me to our question. Do I serve Jesus the Christ? Do I live my life in a way that honors him as Jesus the Christ? Or do I simply refer to him as this wonderful, peaceful, super kind? There's no room for that. Oh, he will encompass all of those attributes, but that is not the title. The title is Christ. And Paul is reminding the Colossians, don't forget, you do not need to move animal sacrifice into your worship service. You don't need to bring in the worship of the, arch, the archangel Michael. You don't need to bring in any sort of other idea or philosophy that you hear on the streets. Jesus is fully adequate to take care of your spiritual life in all areas and probably a million ways you'll never think of. He is all sufficient. And the apostle Paul blasts right out of the gate and says to them, don't forget who he is that we serve. He is the Christ. It is an office of one, created for one, only by one. It's him. He is the only begotten son. He is the Christ. Does our life portray that? Do we honor him in that sense? How big is our Jesus? Well, he's just about this big because he's on the crucifix around my neck. That's adorable. Is it sterling silver? I don't give a crap. It doesn't matter. The question is, is He your Christ? Do we let Him rule us in that sense? It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Look at the next part. Starting in verse verse 4, we'll backtrack just just a bit. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, the faith and the love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. Paul says, we've heard about you. I have heard about you. Paul writes this letter and he says, the glowing reports that I hear about you as a church, those are incredible. Those are incredible. See, see here's what this does to us. It puts us in a place to where then we have to kind of examine where we are. Look at our little county. Look at our little county. Population still on decline since 1910. Commerce is down always. We're going to go out of existence at some point. It will end. Do you draw your value from where you are Or do you draw your value from where you're going? Does this city make up who we are? No. Paul's message to the Colossians was this. You are valuable. You know what I love about it? Is he doesn't say anything like, you know what I heard about you? You guys have given more money to missions than any other group I've ever met. No. I heard you have had hundreds of baptisms. I heard your podcasts are really trending. No one said that. Do you know what he said? Your faith and your hope and your love, I've heard about that. You're valuable to God. You're valuable to me. We will at some point die, go out of existence, Be completely forgotten. We're all only about 70 years from anybody who knew us ever remembering us. What is the most important time in your life? It's where you are right now with Jesus. Right now. Well, I'd really like to live in a bigger city. Uh, Okay. Would you like Jesus to go with you? Would you like to have a relationship with Christ? Because the only thing that's really important at this point is that you and Jesus are together in a place now. It's not about where we're going. It's not about our plans in the future. It's not about lunch today. It's not about last week, and it's not about where we come from. You know what I love to hear around town? I love this. I only used to be a boom town. I love hearing it. I love hearing the stories. We used to have like multiple theaters. I love that. We had hotels, public transit. This place was hopping. Colossus had its day in the sun too. and In the 60s, 60 AD, somewhere around in there, an earthquake hit, crushed the city. And listen, about 300 years later, the city doesn't exist. They haven't even done excavation in Colossus as of 2015. It's just forgotten. It's like it didn't even have enough for anybody to want to go back and check on it. Do we we had Buster Keaton, but we kind of stole him from out of town, right? (laughs) Like, is that it? Is that what we have? Like this is what like and we've got some other things about us if you look on Wikipedia. Some of them are all right, you know? Some of them are kind of like, oh Jesus, that's us. That's us. I mean, what's most important? What's most important is this. It's where we're going. It's where our focus is, where our sights are. That right now, are we serving Jesus Christ? Right now, where we are. Are the people around us looking at us and saying, what the crap is wrong with you? Your life is falling apart, yet you just keep having joy. How does that happen? If we're honoring Jesus, the Christ, everywhere we go, people will ask those questions. People will call. People will show up. People will be there and say, can I talk to you? Because I don't know what it is, but the, what is wrong with you? That Like you are okay in the midst of the storm. Are we serving Jesus the Christ where we are right now? I love this. He says, I love your faith. That That step you took to believe in Jesus Christ. And then what it's created, it's created this, this love. And all of that springs from this hope that somehow Jesus knows you and he loves you. Faith, hope, and love, Paul says. The phrase will continue to play throughout the epistles. Faith, hope, and love. People will see that about you. Yeah, but our city's dying. It's such a a dead little place. Yeah, but Jesus has set up shop, and there are so many philanthropic opportunities inside of your heart that Jesus is doing right now. Jesus is changing the spiritual economy of where we live. All we have to do is stay focused. This next one I love. What would you expect? If the church begins to go off track, and I think to myself, you know what? These people need to get back in line. I probably ought to get myself a heavy hitter, don't you think? Go find myself some high-powered preacher with a whole lot of bite, a snarl. Come in here, whip you into shape, get you on the right track. Is that what Epaphras was thinking in his mind? I just can't really jump on those people like I need to. Maybe I need to find a heavy, maybe I need to use a bigger bat. That's what I'll do. I'll, use a, I'll get the Apostle Paul, bring him in here, a few strokes with that, Church will get right in line. Is that what was that the mindset? This is so. This is so good. The Apostle Paul takes up pen and paper and he writes a letter. And what does he say? You would expect this abrasive tongue lashing. The guy that used to kill Christians now he's on the other side of it. This guy's got a serious side. You know he's got a serious side. Let's bring him in. He's got a great testimony. That's what we do. We'll get everybody on track. We'll do it this way. The the apostle Paul takes up the pen, and what does he say to this group of knuckleheads that are straying? What does he say to them? I love you. You're beautiful. What you're doing is incredible. We've heard about we've heard about your whole life. Heard about your generosity. Heard about your accountability heard about your faithfulness, heard about your hope, that Jesus that you met made a difference, didn't he? I'm so proud of you. In fact, you need to know something. I know your town is dying, and I know sometimes it feels like, what are we really doing here? Are we really making a difference? I know that's how it feels. I know sometimes you can look out and you can say to yourself, like, is anybody hearing this message? Like, are we just not getting this done? Marriages still fall apart. Kids are still going off track. Families are still dissolving. Is anybody hearing this? And the Apostle Paul says, you should see what's happening on the front lines. Let me tell you something you won't hear on Fox News or CNN. Currently, there is a Christian film, actors portraying the life of Christ, that is being shown in mosques across the world. Mosques. They were invited in to show this film in mosques. Paul is on the front lines of things like that happening everywhere, and he turns around to Colossus, to a place like Allen County, to Iola, to a place, to a church that looks like Fellowship Regional Church, and he says, I know it seems like this is a slow-moving thing, but if you could see what's happening on the other side of the world, I need your encouragement. I need you to stay afloat. Be strong. Be faithful. This thing is working and doing things everywhere. It's burning across the countryside like a Kansas grass fire. Don't stop believing. This is real. Of all the things, of all the times you would expect the Apostle Paul to just bust out and chop people to pieces, he meets the Colossians by saying this. Keep up the good work. Can you see Epaphras beside him looking over his shoulder as he's writing? And don't forget that like the whole syncretism thing, they want to worship angels too. And the apostle Paul's like, I got it. Yeah, yeah, that seems kind of nice. Surely you're going to get into it really hot and heavy in a minute, aren't you? I got it. Does this say love again? You said you love them again? They need to be got. Get them. No. Do you know where that comes from? It comes from coming face to face with Jesus Christ. When you can reach into the caverns of Jesus the Christ, his affection and his love, and you put that out in front of other people, and when you do, they are changed by it. Let me ask you something. What if every single person who wanted to share the gospel message approached it from a standpoint that the person I'm talking to, first and foremost, needs to know they're loved? What if it wasn't condemnation first? What if the first thing that came out was, let me tell you something, you're doing it. You're hanging in there. Don't quit. So you got some baggage. So you got a dumb wagon or a stupid knee scooter and you're all banged. So what? That doesn't matter to me. That doesn't matter to me. So you got a little bit of carry on. I'm okay with that. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? What if every minister that was trying to spread the word of Christ stepped out and that was his lead leg? Do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know he does? Do you know he thinks you're great? Do you know he thinks you're cool? Do you know he loves to spend time with you? Do you know he woos over you like you do little babies? What if every single time we opened up our mouth inside of our homes, inside of our marriages, inside of our friendships, that's what came out? To where we looked at the other person and we said, I have faith that you could change. I have love in my heart to help you get past all of your character defects. And I have hope in my heart that if we can't do this on our own, we can find somebody who can help us. That Jesus Christ will stand in the gap with us. What if the world in Coloss would have heard that message? What if Allen County would have heard that message? What if everything that we said, we opened up our mouth and the people around us just said, All I ever hear them say is how much God loves me. Wouldn't you commit yourself to that church? Wouldn't you commit yourself to those people? Wouldn't you open up and say, listen, I don't know what's going on here, but nobody loves like this. What is going on? If that were our every word. Are we loving those around us like Jesus the Christ has loved us? Because I promise you when we do, we're really going to screw up the population inside this building. We're really going to do it. We're going to mess it up. We're going to blow out walls. It's going to be a disaster, okay? When we get on board with the idea that everything that comes out of our mouth is about us loving other people and telling them about Jesus the Christ, we will screw up this whole Sunday morning thing. I want to close with this one little verse real quick. Verse nine. For this reason, Paul says, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you we've not stopped praying for you. The Apostle Paul, the most influential Christian missionary of history, writes a dead, dying little community with a small, distracted little church, and he says, I have not stopped praying about you since I heard about you. Is our world in that place? Is our community, our people in that same place? To where what they really need to hear is that? I need to close in an official Pauline fashion, as if this were the letter to the Colossians, only to you. I see the good that God is doing in your life. You, here in this building, I see the good that God is doing in your life I hear the stories and the interactions that you have had with other people other people throughout our community and they trickle back and I get to hear them I notice those moments when you grab a hold of your children and you begin to form them to follow Christ I see that are we a mess What are we doing it? Yes. Is Christ with us? Yes. I have experienced your Jesus, the unconditionally loving Christ. I have experienced Him. And you have convinced me that he loves me, and that I matter. For that, I'm thankful to you. I'm thankful to you. Let's pray, and we'll get out of here.